0: Welcome to the IMDb Journey Podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and the original cut of this episode was 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. And I'm Dean Jeffrey. Bitch. And today we'll be breaking down 2001's Donnie Darko. Dean, how are you today, fella? Good,
1: mate. How are you?
0: I am okay.
1: I've, okay, what's wrong? I've been talk to me. I've Open reco- up. <laughs> if you let me, can you can you answer my
0: question? I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. You are very trying. I'm a bit sick at the moment. You hey, really? Yeah, I've been sick for a couple of days. Oh, you now. are so soft. I oh, good stuff, mate.
1: Sick enough to take time off work.
0: Yeah, I had some time off work. You are not sick. I'm not sick now. <laughs> like I've got a bit of a sniffle now. <laughs> <coughs> My God. No, I'm getting better. How about you? How's your week been? Yeah, pretty good. Just trying to think what I've done. Not much work.
1: Went to a kid's party, which is always a bore. Uh, yeah, just lots of work. Usual.
0: the Usual, okay. Good. Good riveting conversation there, Dean. I don't know,
1: maybe I did do something. No, I'm mistaken. I did nothing. Okay. <laughs>
0: So be sure to stick around after the breakdown where we'll find out the results of last week's pod v pod draft, we'll look at our next set of matches in our best director tournament, and in the spirit of our question of the week, we'll be giving our top five films of 2001 that are not on the top 250 list. Ooh, tough call, tough call. Tough call there.
1: So if this is your first time listening to us, hopefully you've already subscribed to us by now. If you haven't, we'd hope that you do so. We're available on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, and where most other podcasts are kept, including Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, as well as our host site, Wooshka. Just check the show notes for links to these great sites for all of our content.
0: And to everyone out there, we'd really love hearing and seeing feedback from you, but also get out there and spread the word about us too to everyone you know, get them involved in the podcast as well. Maybe if it helps, you could perhaps mention that this podcast is bitching, but not a bitch. Another way to help get our name out there is to go ahead and leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us, which would hopefully help us move up the charts there for other like-minded listeners like yourselves to notice us too, so they can do the same and we can get a nice revolving circle going on. Now, Dean... What is your favourite review we've gotten recently?
1: Yeah, my favourite one out of this lot would be from G Dunk One, who say, These guys are great. You can tell that they've been long time friends because of their great chemistry. Their format is great and keeps you interested the whole way through. As a filmmaker myself, I can really appreciate their in depth movie reviews.
0: Thanks for that. Thank you very much. And if you want to interact with us throughout the week too, we're on Twitter at IMDB Journey. I respond to everything sent our way, and it is a great way to keep up to date with us as we regularly tweet what else we've been watching throughout the week so you can leave your thoughts there too and we'll read them out on the podcast as well
1: we're also on letterboxd which is a great movie review site that everyone can get on to share their own reviews on film make their own lists and interact with people on there too you can follow our podcast page at letterboxd.com slash I am Journey, and you can follow our personal pages too, where we keep our movie diary constantly up to date, make our own lists, and drop quick reviews as well. I am at letterboxed.com slash Dino underscore J88, and Hendo is at letterboxd.com
0: slash And if you're also into Facebook, we have a page there too, where we drop information about the podcast as well. And that's at facebook.com slash imdbjourney. And I'll add all these links to the show notes for this episode as well. So there is plenty of ways to interact with us and get involved.
1: And as we mentioned last week, if you like our show and want to support us, then head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney. And for as little as a dollar a month, You'd be really helping us out immensely. We've got a ton of different rewards and benefits over there, so be sure to check it out, guys.
0: And just another announcement. We recently got together with our good friends TJ and Serenity over at the Movie with the Mrs. podcast, where we did a joint list ranking of the MCU's greatest scenes, and uh, it was quite a lot of fun we had there.
1: Oh, It was so much fun. I like-
0: <laughs> There's a lot that everyone picked that a lot of other people didn't agree with, so there was a bit, bit of uh, fun banter there along the way.
1: Well, it's just hard when you're trying to, when you're doing a joint list and you got people like Hendo here <laughs> picking the most ridiculous picks. It's just, it's, I highly recommend you go and listen to that because it was, yeah, it's a yeah, lot of fun. I'm sure
0: you'll love everyone's reactions to Dean's picks along the way. Okay, mine are quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So be sure to head on over there and check that out too. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well.
1: And as always, before we get into the breakdown of Donnie Darko, just a quick warning saying that we will be spoiling it from the get-go, so be warned.
0: So we're going to take a short break here, give you a promo from the Dishing Disney podcast, and we'll be back on the other side with Donnie Darko. Hi, this is Dustin. And Brianna.
1: We're a couple who love all things Disney. We decided to sit down twice a month to discuss and analyze a variety of Disney films and topics with a grown-up's perspective and an adult sense of humor.
0: Dishing Disney will give film
1: reviews with the memories of a child filtered through an adult frame of mind. We've noticed some things about our beloved Disney movies that we didn't pick up on as kids, and now we want to talk about them. Plus, we'll do a bonus top five episode every month where we make our ultimate lineups regarding the topic of the day. So wish upon a star give a little whistle, and be a part of our world as we explore the wonderful world of Disney together. This is Dishing Disney. I'm my new friend. Real or imaginary? Your
0: Tony? Imaginary. I'm going to tell you a little story today about a young man whose life was completely destroyed by these instruments of fear. I haven't seen stuff. Donnie is experiencing what is commonly called a daylight hallucination. (laughs) I have to obey him. He saved my life. Have you ever seen a portal? So, Donnie Darko, released in 2001, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Jenna Malone, Drew Barrymore, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and Patrick Swayze. Swayze! To name a few. Directed by Richard Kelly.
1: Ah, the great Richard Kelly. His directorial debut. That's correct. correct. I think it was about 25, 26 at the time. Yeah A very impressive effort from him He did have a couple of shorts before this came out But it was his first proper feature length film He followed it up in 2006 with Southland Tales Have you seen that? No, I have not I did see it and it was terrible Okay and then after that, his third film was 2009's The Box. Did you that see that? That
0: is a piece of shit.
1: I saw that at cinemas and that was terrible. <laughs> and he actually has not made a movie since.
0: Yeah, well. Ouch. <laughs> that's a bit rough. It's a bit rough. It is. He started off with so much promise. He did. So, do you know who else was looking at getting cast for Donnie Darko on the way here?
1: I did see a few names. I saw uh, Mark Wahlberg was in the mix, but he wanted to do the entire role with a lisp for some strange, strange reason.
0: Why do you need to do that? I don't know. I'm so glad he didn't get this role. Uh, That would have been weird. You know what else would have been weird? Having Vince Vaughn as Donnie Darko. He wasn't even a teenager then. He was old. (laughs) I mean, that's not unheard of, but... Yeah. But he didn't look young. No, he's enormous. (laughs) So speaking of Richard Kelly, he did say that the movie had a very difficult time finding a distributor in America. Since the film had a, a lot of different genres and tones, the distributors were confused by the movie's message and how to market it in the end.
1: Yeah, which is fair enough. It's a very niche market, and I mean, ultimately, it wasn't successful at the box office, was it? But it did find a bit of fame later on when it was released on, I guess, VHS, maybe DVD at that stage? Probably DVD, I think. DVD? Yeah. Yeah, and it definitely found a bit of a cult following on there.
0: Definitely after they also released the director's cut as well. Did that help it, did it? Wouldn't have hurt. Well, from what I hear, it
1: might have. Interesting story. I actually started watching the director's cut in preparation for this movie. Like, it wasn't a deliberate choice. It just, I had the Blu-ray, which had both copies. Mm -hmm. I just figured the director's cut would have a couple extra scenes maybe. But um, you actually messaged me as I was, you know, 10, 20 minutes in, said, which version are you watching? And I did a bit of research and apparently the director's cut is not nearly as good.
0: No, they actually, the way they did it it ended up, changing the whole pace of the film. Like they obviously add some deleted scenes in and some some new visual effects which might have done well, but they switched the soundtrack around as well apparently.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that because I'd watched the opening scene to In Excesses Never Tear Us Apart. Yeah. And then I put on the proper version that we uh, are reviewing today and I got the The Killing Moon, which is, a, is so much better like Yeah, of course. I just Never Tear Us Apart is obviously a great song, but It's not Donnie Darko for me, you know? But I hear Killing Moon, I'm just like, yeah, this is Donnie Darko through and through. I was so happy when I actually put on the other cut and I was like, oh, that's right, it's Killing Moon. Like, (laughs) glad I didn't get, uh, the movie ruined a bit for me there. Apparently it also explains things a lot more blatantly. Like, it goes out of its way to tell audiences what's happening.
0: Yeah, so what, like, do you think that's a better thing? No. No, I don't think so either. I think you want to leave the movie as it is. Like, this is what the, final result they wanted was to I guess leave it a bit ambiguous and yeah maybe some people want to find out what actually happened or want to get some more information about it and so they do this director's cut which has these new scenes and this and all this extra stuff about the um the time travel book cut into it I don't know I just I...
1: I can understand why he's done it though obviously it was a failure at you know when it was released in cinemas you can understand him thinking oh maybe maybe they just didn't get it Maybe I should recut it and make it a bit easier to understand.
0: Fair enough, yeah. But would you say, like, with director's cuts compared to the original cut, that that doesn't change it? Like, that's that's not the intent of the, the director or anything like that. So, the original cut should be the one that everyone, like, goes to. This is the original cut. This is the, the movie that should be checked out. Yeah. Just in general. I'm talking just in general. Like, when you t- when you look at theatrical cuts and director's cuts and all that... Well, How do you value director's cuts in terms of, the, I need to explain this a bit more.
1: I mean, I don't feel like most director's cuts are that. I don't feel like most of them are explaining it more. I feel like they've put in, for me, I feel like the director's cut basically contains more scenes in it that they felt the first time wouldn't fit. And it's more for, it's more for the fans, like the, uh, the hardcore fans that want more content of the movie. But I mean, I would normally go, if I'm rewatching a movie, I'd be more inclined to watch a director's cut because I've already seen it. But for a first time viewing, I would always want the original. Yeah. Although, I mean, it depends though. Like some people say the director's cut of the original Blade Runner is much better than the original one.
0: You are—you definitely chose your answer very wisely there. I was trying to set you up to trash Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition while talking about the theatrical cut. But you played it very well, sir. I applaud you for that. Some quality fence sitting. (laughs) And with an average of 8.1 over 671,000 ratings, it's currently sitting at number 224 on the list right now. Now, Dean, do you have a plot summary?
1: After narrowly escaping a bizarre accident, A troubled teenager is plagued by visions of a large bunny rabbit that manipulates him to commit a series of crimes. Solid. I thought so. Thanks, (laughs) Letterboxd.
0: All right, let's get into it, Dean. We get Thunder.
1: Thunder. Lightning. I don't know the song well enough to sing it.
0: Thunder, yes, over
1: the, you know, over black and opening credits. It's fine. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, here we go. We're getting started.
0: Normally, people think of Thunder as, I guess, a a darker theme. Like, if you've got a blank screen here, just Thunder, you're like, okay, this is going to be a happy, chappy movie you're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. So, it already sets the tone already just from this.
1: Yep. We get the opening shot of Landscape at Dawn. I couldn't help but think, actually, here, of the old saying, pink sky at night, shepherd's delight, pink sky in morning, shepherd's warning.
0: Have you heard that before? I have. I have
1: heard that. I would love it if this was deliberate nod to the foreboding that is to come. I
0: wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah.
1: We get the camera slowly moving around until we see a body on the road with a bicycle next to him. I guess we're meant to think he might
0: be dead? Uh I didn't think that. Like, Mind you, I know he's not, so yeah. I don't know what the initial impression would be to someone who hasn't seen it, but I don't know. It didn't play like that for me. Fair it enough. definitely looked like he just fell off his bike. It was like unconscious.
1: Uh, okay, fair enough. So he gets up, a very young Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: Very young in this movie.
1: I, it's funny, like, I never thought of him as being so young in this film. I think it's because when I first saw it, I was probably about 14 years old. Yeah. And he was older, you know? Yeah, like, I thought point. of him as an older guy. And now I look at it now as a 30-year-old, I'm like, how old was he in this movie? Was he 18? Like, he looks very
0: young. I remember seeing a young Jake Gyllenhaal in Bubble Boy. Oh, man. <laughs> he's, I think he's actually younger in that, to be honest. Fair I think enough. that was done before Donnie Darko. Bubble boy, eh? Yeah. I haven't even heard of that. Haven't you? Oh. ah, uh, it's like he's he's in a bubble and he's traveling across America to find he, this girl he likes, but he's you know, he's like from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, that's all bu- I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's in a giant bubble g- cruising around <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay, so he gets up and he laughs. Quietly to himself. What did you think of that?
0: Well, after by the end of the film it felt to me like he was laughing because the time loop has happened like he's it's it's it's, diff, it's this is so ha, difficult has it happened i think this happened i think this has happened several times i think this is a time loop you think he's done this several times i think this whole story this isn't is groundhog tri- day i think this is about him trying how do you know that like this is this is what how, this movie is how about how do i
1: know it's not groundhog okay, day
0: okay you know you know what i'm talking about
1: how but do you everything know that-, that happens in this from this timeline now he reacts to with surprise. He doesn't know what's going on. He learns everything So as why he goes. is he grinning? If he has done this multiple times, he wouldn't react that way.
0: So why is he grinning? I'm not saying that he knows what's happening throughout this film. I think in a subconscious level, he has that memory that this has happened before. And that's what happens at the end of the film as well. When it all finally happens, when Frank gets shot and killed and the, and the whole time travel happens again, where they go back to the that night, he has that smirk on his face again. And the other characters, they have some feeling of recognition that this is, that something has happened. We're getting right to the end. Let's, let's continue. Yeah. Okay. We'll get okay. Yeah. We're
1: getting ahead of, uh, yeah. of ourselves. Yeah. We're right at the end. Final thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't get the smile here, to be honest. I think, firstly, I think it's super, super cool though. The way he gets up, smiles knowingly, and then we're hit with Donnie Darko on the screen as, as he walks yeah. off. I love the way that shot is done. I really, yeah, I really do. I do too. But why is he smiling? I don't know. I honestly... Yeah. We'll, we'll come back I to honestly
0: it. think there's going to be a lot of things we ask in this breakdown, and it's going to be like, I don't know. It's, this movie is very ambiguous and left to interpretation. Yeah. And if you haven't gone and watched every director's commentary and read every article and, yeah, maybe even watched the director's cut as well, your thoughts are going to be basically your own interpretation, which is what I like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what we're here for. We're here to give our interpretation of this film. This is true. So, this is where Donnie is riding his bike back home. I like the slow-mo movement you get at this point of the typical suburban house showing his family along the way, just doing the typical suburban family thing. It's showing you just what you need to know about them without spelling it out for you.
1: Yeah, we see the dad is so carefree and happy. He's blowing the leaves, and then the daughter, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, obviously comes up, and he's playing with the gun with her. I think you're right. It does show so so quickly what this sort of family is. Like yeah. this is your typical suburban family.
0: Exactly. And so they're playing Killing Moon over this part as well. And one thing I think is fascinating about this film, probably one of my favourite parts about it, is the soundtrack itself and how smart it is in regards to the lyrics of all the songs that are played at just the right moments. Like here with Killing Moon, the the big focal lyric is killing time throughout this whole song. Yeah. And it perfectly summarises this movie about time travel and essentially trying to kill it, really, in, in regards to this tangent universe they're in. He's trying to kill this tangent universe to to fix the issues that are happening hmm. and yes. again and, and other other songs coming up here every all the lyrics when i when when i was watching this and the l- songs would come on i was putting the subtitles on getting those lyrics up and w- and reading those lyrics i'm like wow this is all you these lyrics i could hear them i was watching <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to actually invest do you find that when you are watching a movie with subtitles you are focusing a bit more on the dialogue when that happens?
1: I mean, yeah, you are, but you're also at the expense of the you know, the shots on scream. I find I find when I have subtitles on, I'm reading them whether I need to or not, and I'm not looking at the actual shot as much. Well so, with the
0: with the songs, luckily the subtitles come up as like two words every time, so I didn't have to stare at the words long enough to forget what was happening. You on couldn't the screen. get
1: the words killing time from the song.
0: I wanted to say it over and over. <laughs> Repetition. <laughs> Repetition.
1: Did you notice as he's riding his bike towards his house, we see a red car drive past him? I didn't notice that. Yeah, a red car. It's the only car that drives past him on this whole trip, and it's actually Frank's
0: red car from later on in the movie. See, this is something... Okay, so I saw this a very long time ago. I'd probably say at least 13, 15 years ago. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of memories about this film.
1: Yeah, this would be pretty close to a first time viewing for you, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, so it was... kind of fascinating to go back and watch this i did have some idea of what it was about yeah but to see all these things that i met that i've forgotten about again yeah. it was it was great
1: yeah yeah it would be it would be see for me though i've seen this film you know probably 15 times yeah like i know it really well
0: have you ever watched the director's cut i,
1: I mean i'm i don't think so honestly i don't think i have okay
0: do you want to go and watch it now after seeing it this time not
1: really. From everything I read, it's pretty negative, And I feel like this movie's, you know, great the way it is. I don't, yeah. I don't
0: want another version, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. This is, this is my version of Donnie Darker. Cool. I did like the conversation at the table, especially between real life brother and sister, Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal here. The conversation is so ridiculous. <laughs> These
1: insults are like. Yeah, it is ridiculous, but it's like, it's realistic. Yeah. Like. Brothers and sisters, they don't care about having, you know, proper insults. Like, if you want to tell your brother to suck a fuck, you do it. You don't think that, uh, what the hell am I actually saying Exactly. Here? And what I love is when they're throwing these insults at each other, they say it, and then a second later, you can see them sort of smiling. And I feel like that's how siblings
0: actually are. Exactly. They goof like, around. Yeah.
1: It's really, like, it's, They don't mean it with malice. No. It's, they're just having a bit of banter, a bit of fun.
0: Especially with the young daughter there who asked what that meant. <laughs> You can't say that in front of your younger sister.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love that the mother, Rose, is talking about the possibility of uh, Elizabeth going to Harvard. So, we we know straight away, and after she's talking about politics and whatnot, we know that she's very a smart, strong, independent woman. And then we get contrasted so beautifully with Donnie's joke about, as you say, the younger sister squeezing one out in eighth grade. Like the whole family gets offended, but it just it does show where Donny stands in
0: this family. Like, he does—he is does, a bit of an outsider. He does look like and sound like your typical leave me alone, angsty teen at this time. I didn't actually know when this was set until I heard that they were talking about voting for Dukakis and that. So I, I did realize at that point, okay, this is set in the late '80s. And I thought, I don't know if that's something I need to know. But then, sure enough, at the end of this scene, it comes up with October second, nineteen eighty-eight. I'm like, okay, well. I could have just waited for that. I didn't have to try and figure out when when this was set.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing about this date is it's actually the birthday of Graham Greene, who wrote the short story mm. "The Destructors," which is heavily discussed in in the class later on. Of course, on. cute little tie in there.
0: I did find it interesting the use of the fade out transition here after he took his pills. I saw that happen a lot. During this film. Did you make anything of that along the way?
1: Uh, I think the only time I actually noticed a fade out coming into effect was when his face was fading out into Frank's face as a bunny rabbit.
0: Okay. There was a couple, I think that might have been the only one with an actual fade out into another shot. I think there was maybe three or four others that just faded onto black. Oh, really? Yeah, and then it came back. The black of the date screen or just black and then a new scene? Maybe both. But I I did notice just some fades to black. Okay, I didn't (laughs) notice that.
1: Okay. Yeah, going back to Donnie taking his pills, because he does say at the table that, or his sister rats him out, that he hasn't been taking his pills. Mm. So, Rose goes to see Donnie, and Donnie gets angry with her because she wants him to take his pills and whatnot. She sort of gives up and walks out of the room, and that's when, you know, he's laying on the bed, she's closed the door, and he says, bitch. Loudly enough that she can hear it. A great shot here of Rose stopping in the hall. And we know she's heard it. Yeah. We know that... Yeah, like what mum wants her son to be call, calling them a bitch. And like, Donnie,
0: Donnie knows that she's heard this.
1: Yeah, and that's the key thing. Because we cut to Donnie now. And he's looking down in his book. He looks up, back to the book. Then he looks up again. And you can tell he's he feels bad about it. Yeah. And he's thinking about it. He's like, yeah, probably I probably shouldn't be that guy. And then the next scene with him is him taking his pills. And I feel like... Deep down, he didn't mean it. Deep down, he really cares for his mother here. And this is what he pro- this is what prompts him to start taking his medication again. He realises that he
0: did go too far here and probably does need the pills. What do you think about that? I completely agree. I think you've summed that up quite well. Thank you. Go. So this is where we get Donnie doing his first sleepwalk. Dean, have you got any sleepwalking stories by any chance? Uh, by chance, I don't. Do you, Hendo? I thought you would have had a sleepwalking story or two. Why? Yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you? Haven't we all sleptwalked once or twice? Do you have some story of me sleepwalking? <laughs> <laughs> I do have stories of you falling asleep on my couch. No, I did have a sleepwalking story. Apparently, when I was maybe 10 to 13 years old, uh, my dad told me that one time I came out of my room at like, after I was asleep, obviously, just walked straight past him, didn't acknowledge him, and went and took a whiz in the bin. Ouch. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> He definitely holds that against me He's like Remember that time you sleptwalk You pissed in the bin
1: <laughs> As long as you didn't hold it against him you dig
0: <laughs> I know
1: <laughs> Okay So it's actually This is the shot I was talking about Where he's outside We get our first sighting Of this uh, I would say now Iconic demonic rabbit Yep Frank Yep Frank And we do get Donnie's head Fading in and out To the rabbit's head And he says
0: Yeah, what a way to bring you into this film, starting it off like this classic family drama into this crazy psychological fit about the impending end of the world. Well, that's
1: the what? thing; it's it's a it's a very normal movie up up to this point. Yeah, you know, as you say, we've got this family drama and we're seeing the ins and outs of this family. And
0: then it just takes you to a place where we've never been to before. And I really like how they've done that. They've given you an opportunity to get to know these characters and the struggles they're having family-wise, you know, with sons and mother bickering along the way until it gets you into this crazy shit that's about to happen. If it started off straight away like this is some crazy film that they're portraying,
1: Maybe you it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it'd be in our world. Yeah, right? exactly. But because we see all these people who are so relatable in all these very familiar situations, sorry, mum. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I think it makes it. It makes it much more impactful. Yeah. It's like, all right, what if you, this happened to you in your life? You walk outside and you see this demonic rabbit. So yeah, I think it does it really, really nicely. Nice. Nice. So we see Elizabeth come home and she's leaning up against the front door. And even though I know it's coming every single time. Oh, man. Bang. You must have jumped. Scared the shit out yeah. of me. Yeah. It's so loud compared to what you're watching. Like,
0: what was that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's great here. We see all of their reactions to it. right? So we see Elizabeth like crying, hunched over at the door. We see the dad on the couch going like, what the hell's happened? And we see the mum in bed. And this is obviously really important because we're going to see all this again yeah. in another time later on. So yeah. I'm, I am, I just want to point out this moment here because I feel like it is important.
0: It's definitely important. So it is the next morning and Donnie wakes up on the golf course and sees the sways. The sways. Oh, well, peaceways. Rest in peace, buddy. Yes. Now he looks at his arm and he has 28.6.42.12 on his arm. Now, was that him just riding on his arm? Because I don't remember seeing that again throughout the film. Or do I miss that? Is this the only time that it is on his arm? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well,
1: why would it be later on? So he's he's actually holding a texture. Okay, yep. I'm, um, I'm on the
0: golf course. Yeah. So you know that he's written it. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. You know. I mean, this whole thing with Frank is in his mind. Yeah, it is. And what a lucky bastard this Donny guy is. Gets home and finds out his room is destroyed by a random aeroplane engine. Yeah,
1: 747 jet engine.
0: With no signs of the plane.
1: Nah, like this is obviously insanely crazy. Yeah. It's not possible for a jet engine (laughs) to fall out of the sky and you not know where the plane is. So it, it does do a pretty decent job of setting up a bit of the mystery here. And, you know, like, in case we didn't already get it, Samantha does spell it out for us. But one thing I just want to pick up before we move on from that is the fantastic piano music, again, that's playing Mm -hmm. as he's walking towards the house. Like... Every bit of music
0: in this film, whether it's soundtrack or score, it's just—it is so perfect. I love it. I really love it. No, I agree completely with the soundtrack here. It's one of the best things of the film. So they get back from a, a quick stay at the hotel that night, and they're back heading to school, and we get introduced to this uh, Asian girl in this film.
1: What? Hi, Sharita. Shut up. I love the shut ups. <laughs>
0: What, what is the purpose of this character? Like, she is, fe- she is featured very prominent in certain scenes of her eavesdropping and just sitting there in the background watching. I honestly thought that this was another figment of Donnie's imagination, but pe- other characters are interacting with her. So. Def-
1: yeah, she's definitely real. But,
0: I don't know. It's,
1: what, what, I don't know what's the purpose of her. I'm, I'm there not scenes sure. where
0: he's talking to, like, teachers and she's, like, trying to listen in behind a door. The scene where... Well, she's Dr- in
1: love with him. She's obsessed with him.
0: Yeah, I guess I can see a point there. I mean, it does make sense when you find, like, at the end of their relationship, when he does, you know, grab her by the face and say, you are like, you will become better than this. And she-, she takes it as an insult. Like, she thinks that he's insulting her and cries and runs away.
1: You don't think that... You didn't- I, did, I don't think she took that as an insult. Well, what did you? What- I thought she was just... Like, this is someone she's obsessed with, right? Yeah. We know this because he sees the, the Donnie Darko diary fall down. Like, it tells us straight but away.
0: She yells at him, like, w- why would you say that? Leave me alone, and runs away. I'm, you pretty, say-
1: I'm pretty sure she says, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I think she's more just, she doesn't know how to talk to him. She doesn't know how to handle him. Like, this is someone that she's fantasised about, who actually comes up to her, grabs her intensely by the earmuffs, and says... Things are gonna get better for you. She just I just think in that moment she does not know how to react. Okay. And she just rejects it.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: Anyway, we're jumping around.
0: Yeah. Well (laughs) Which is fine. This movie's a bit of time travel, so We
1: do get this long lingering shot of Sharida here. And in retrospect, knowing what we know now that she loves Donnie, it does make a bit more sense. Did you, obviously, you wouldn't have remembered her, you know, character arc in this story on your second viewing? Were you sort of wondering what her deal was?
0: Yeah, as I went along, like I I picked up that she did have a a bit of an interest in Donnie, especially when he stands up for her at the bus stop. Do you think that is when it started, or do you think she already had something for him?
1: No, I think I think she already had something for him because she's she sort of yeah this shot here I feel like Richard Kelly's um sort of laying the seeds a bit for what her what her story is gonna be. But these guys they're so mean to her. Oh, they're just go back to China, bitch! Like <laughs> that's just very aggressive.
0: But that's that's what young dickhead teens are like.
1: But then we get our hero, our superhero of the film. Mr. Donnie Darko,
0: telling him to leave her alone. And obviously that means a lot to her. She She likes that. So we get this, you you talk about long lingering shots, we get this long take of them coming into the school. Fantastic. interesting is that camera angle they start off with when it's turned on its side as they get out the back of the bus. It's so good. That was great. And these kids just doing some casual coke snorting in the bloody hallways.
1: And like the teacher, the principal, walks past, seemingly sees it. Yeah. And just keeps walking. Yeah, whatever. The 80s were a different time. But I love, again, I know we've said it about three times already, but Tears for Fears, Head Over Heels. Oh, yeah. So great. (laughs) And this tracking shot sets up so much of these characters. We see Kitty, the teacher, with her Attitudinal Beliefs book. We see, as we said, the bully and Seth Rogen doing drugs. Seth Rogen.
0: <laughs> His feature film debut as well.
1: Exactly. We see Swayze, you know, meeting Barrymore, who rolls her eyes. And the sequence is so great. It shows us so quickly the kind of environment that our characters live in and drops great little character moments throughout, giving us insight into who these people are. The shot slows down and speeds up as well at points. Yeah. It really keeps it keeps it really interesting. And it also, it forces us... Pay attention to some things more than others it's a really clever
0: shot yeah no I completely agree there so they're in the classroom and they start talking about this Graham Greene short story the destructors yeah and Donnie gives his interpretation of what the story is well they say it right when they flood the house and they tear it to shreds that like uh, destruction is a form of creation so the fact that they burn the money is ironic they just want to see what happens when they tear the world apart I want to change things. And I'm pretty sure this feels like the theme and metaphor of this film in general as well. That's what I got.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this scene does come back a lot later as well. Yeah. And it's all it's all about change. It's all about these guys, they want to change things. And I feel like the whole point of this movie at the, you know, the end, the culmination of everything we've seen is Donnie making the decision to change everything. Yeah. This is a great, a great short story to talk about. It really does encapsulate what this film's about. We get an intro to Jenna Malone here. Uh, Gretchen? Yep. No way a teacher would put that kind of pressure on a new student to pick the boy who she thinks is the cutest.
0: See, but I think with with this whole path that Donnie is taking throughout this, this tangent universe, there are these somewhat odd higher forces pulling him towards the path he needs to take. And this is one of them, forcing them to to sit next to each other and interact. They need to get together for this path to happen, for her to die at the end. Do you not see any of that? That, That's what I kind of got.
1: I'm not getting a higher divine intervention, if you will. Okay. I don't get that. Do you get that?
0: I got a little bit of it. I thought that the Frank character- I know they
1: do talk about God a bit, a lot in this movie, but I didn't really get that God is making- or someone, something, is making these characters force together.
0: I think they're pushing them in a way to get them together. But she takes her seat because she wants that Donny D. <laughs> so Donnie and his dad are driving along. This is so great. And they nearly hit the old lady <laughs> One here. of the best nicknames. Uh, names in a movie ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's rough.
1: I tell you, I have used the term Grandma Death to describe my missus when she's having a bad hair day. <laughs> she loves it. <laughs> but then she whispers something to him and it, it obviously has an effect on him. And when you've got a character whispering something to our, our protagonist and we don't know what it is, mm. like, my God, we want to know what. it is. Yeah, set. exactly, we do. I saw it and I thought, oh, okay, um, I know we find out. He must tell the dad here. I didn't remember
0: what she had said to him.
1: Yeah. And the dad asks and then we cut straight away to the next scene of the therapist. So it is very intriguing.
0: Yeah, it keeps you guessing. You want to know. And that's what, kind of what I like about this whole title card countdown as well, on the way, like, you know something is going to be happening at the end of this film, like the, the end of the world, and so you're anticipating that as you go along, and it keeps you involved in the story throughout the film.
1: Did you put together that it was ending on Halloween?
0: No. Yeah, me neither. Well, Halloween's not a big thing over in Australia. So I just, I, I don't know what the date is for it's Halloween. It's
1: not, but when you think about it now and you're like, all right, it's October 22nd, you've got 28 days and some odd hours to go, and he's being followed around by a, a guy in a giant bunny suit, like, mm. you could
0: put those pieces together, but as you say, you just, you don't. No, that's not what I was thinking of at all. How funny is this tacky-as video, this self-help Control Your Fear video by Patrick Swayze in the classroom in, with the VHS video, classic school days that brought me back to when you sit there and watch these stupid videos. Yeah. It was so bad. Like, and it's oh, intentionally it's, bad. It's
1: incredible. And you think about like, I, oh, I remember watching these bad 80s films. They're in the 80s. This yeah. would
0: be new for them. And it's, oh, it's rough. Did you know that Patrick Swayze actually wore his own clothes for those scenes? For all scenes? Yeah, yeah.
1: And he actually, this this filming of this uh, Controlling Fear video was actually filmed at his house.
0: Yeah. And I'm not sure if it was in this part of the tacky video or the next part, but do you see the boom might come down? Yeah. 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 That was awesome. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was <laughs> great.
1: So, we get this, this weird sleepy scene from Donnie, and I swear... If I didn't know better, I thought I was what, I, I thought I would have been watching the director's cut because I do not remember this one shot of this weird image, bad CGI, it looks like a city underwater, maybe.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't, un- uh, I didn't understand weird. what that was. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's obviously what he's dreaming about. Yeah. It's just, I guess it's, um, end of the world sort of theme. Not that the water really has much.
0: Do you think it ends up having something to do with the flooding of the school, like the hitting the main pipe is part of that, I yeah, guess? No, yeah, no, that's
1: that's something, yeah, because after this he does flood the school that night. That's really good. Yeah. I'll go with that. The water obviously does play a part later on because we get this water mirror image mm, yeah. between him and Frank at various moments, and we also get, the obviously, the portals, the tubes coming out of yeah. people's chest is very much a watery effect as well. But no, nah, good connection going from the, the water to the school.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. And I must say, Jake Gyllenhaal is looking particularly freaky in this whole scene with that oh evil, the axe, yeah, the smile and the axe. So oh, why? Calm down, mate.
1: Yeah, I actually found this scene to be a bit too dark. Not oh. in not in tone, just visually too dark. <laughs>
0: oh, I get it. Yeah, I didn't uh, think you did. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't listening. Did you notice that? In terms of the contrast and the brightness. I could barely
1: see what was happening. Well. Admittedly, I was watching it during the day. That doesn't help.
0: With my blinds open. That seems implausible.
1: So I got up and closed all the
0: blinds. (laughs) And turned the brightness up on my TV. No. Do not touch my settings on my (laughs) TV. (laughs) So it is the next day and the school has been cancelled because of the giant flooding. The giant flooding. The giant flooding. As opposed to the small flooding. Could be Is there not a difference between a minor flood and a giant flood? There's a minor difference. I think there's a giant difference. (laughs) (laughs) No, you see these two dickhead bullies having a crack at Talk about
1: stereotypes.
0: Seth Rogen's very first lines in a film. I like your boobs. Yeah, classic Seth Rogen. Good on you, mate. And then we have the conversation between Donnie and Gretchen. I think this is a really, really good conversation between them. It's gold. It's It's so authentic. It feels fun. I love the line. Donnie Darko. Hell kind of name is that? It's like some sort of superhero or something.
1: What makes you think I'm not? Yeah. Massive drops mic moment. Yeah, exactly. What a comeback. And like that was also Also, like you talk, it's a mention of a superhero here, Mm. and he says, what makes you think I'm not a superhero? And in many ways, he is a superhero of this film.
0: Oh, definitely.
1: He gains powers, the ability to travel time, see the future, and he uses them to save people. Exactly. You could argue this is a superhero film. I personally would not, though, but- I do think that there's definitely something to it of him being the superhero of this... The hero of this film. I don't think there's any bones about it. I think he is the hero of this film. You talk about how much fun this conversation is. I also love the little back and forth. He has emotional problems. Oh, I have those too. What kind of emotional
0: problems does your dad have?
1: He's just so gleeful here to have (laughs) something in common with someone. He just doesn't understand what the social norms are here. And then we get this great callback to the destructors' scene. Yeah. He wants to be a writer, a painter to make people understand to change things. Right? That's mm. exactly what he said. That's exactly how he described the plot of this book.
0: It's it's I never noticed that before, honestly. I'm glad you noticed
1: it now. Yeah, no, I, I yeah,
0: very very good callback. So in the psychiatrist's office here, how awkward is this hypnosis scene when he starts to unbutton his pants and she, the psychiatrist is like, oh God, do, do I stop this? Oh, <laughs> she
1: stops it straight away, <laughs> but
0: more awkward for him. Aren't you uh, getting hypnotised? Waking, waking up. Waking up with your hand on your nearly. member. Actually, during that conversation, the script had to be changed because he originally was talking about Alyssa Milano and they had to change it to Christina Applegate due to legal reasons.
1: Yeah, which I don't understand. I guess- she wouldn't let them, but I guess Christina that's what Applegate would. <laughs> I, I. It's don't... funny because he mentions married with
0: children before that. Yeah, like married with children. What are you talking about? What would he have? What would he have mentioned with Alyssa Milano in the eighties? Maybe they had to change it because back then she was still like she's like Commando. She was like twelve. Maybe that's why they had to change it.
1: Ooh, that would make sense actually.
0: Yeah, because it's not two thousand and one in the Charm days. No, it's it's the late eighties
1: where she was very young.
0: I think that's probably why. I think we cracked the the mystery there.
1: Just quickly before we move on, they're actually talking about burning down a house here. I think they're talking about the plot of the Destructors again. And coincidentally, they're actually walking past Jim Cunningham's house.
0: Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. That's right, they are. Little tidbit there. Nice. I do think it was a very smart move from the police and the principal of the school to get everyone to write down they made me do it on the board to get the handwriting down to see who it could potentially be
1: i actually thought it was really dumb but even dumber from donnie darko like how hard is it to just change a handwriting font
0: but does he know he did it yes does he
1: yeah he knows
0: Hmm. you don't think he knows i don't know i'm pretty sure he knows did he change his handwriting it didn't look like it really no he kept it the same okay he gets a little question mark next to his name.
1: Yeah.
0: Also, they said Donald Darko. He said a very close to Donald Duck. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. What do you
1: think of the Smurf discussion?
0: Oh, this is like Richard Kelly's. Nerdgasm. Yeah, he's um Madonna like a virgin speech from Reservoir Dogs, or he's mm. Royale with Cheese from Pulp Fiction, or he's. Superman talk from Kill I'm just rattling off Tarantino. Yeah, I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, it is a very interesting conversation. I think Donnie Darko knows way too much about (laughs)
1: Smurf anatomy.
0: Yes, just a little too much. Also, this line... What's the point of living if you don't have a dick? Whoa, I don't think that would play very well in this day and age.
1: I mean... I think you could still get away with it in a movie. It's said by a bunch of teenage boys.
0: Okay, yeah, It's right.
1: It's not not a grown man being misogynistic. It's a horny teenager. Nah, fair enough. Obsessed with his
0: dick. (laughs) You know a bit too much about that. I know, what's this? They start watching Grandma Death trying to get the mail. I think we've heard this one before. Yes, we have. We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Oh...
1: Okay, so we got a feedback here from. Nah, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Time traveled, so we're at the PTA meeting now.
1: Yeah, so this PTA meeting was originally meant to be about the flooding, right? And talk about the issues around that. They say maybe it was a school student, blah, blah, blah. Kitty jumps up pretty quickly and turns it into an argument about whether or not this book, The Destructors, should be taught in school. This is ridiculous. It is, but I love Drew Barrymore here. She gets up and says it's meant to be ironic, which is exactly how Donnie described it when he was asked about it.
0: Like she's taken his opinion of it. It's not just that, but
1: I think it just shows. A lot of these scenes show how smart Donnie Darko is in this film.
0: Oh, yeah. He's not portrayed as an idiot.
1: And that you've got a teacher coming up defending it, saying, describing it the exact same way Donnie does, I think really goes
0: a long way there. I did find it interesting that they cut this scene with between the PTA meeting and Donnie in the bathroom with Frank. Did you think there was anything significant about going back and forth between these two?
1: Well, I think they do relate because the thing that, like what Frank says to Donnie here is, don't worry, you got away with it. So, they're at the PTA meeting supposed to be talking and discussing about the flooding. Donnie's obviously at home worried about it, and his little guardian angel, Frank, comes up and he's like, don't worry, Donnie, you got away with it.
0: So, does that go with my theory about a higher power here? Like, how does the envisionment of Frank know that he's now got away with it because the PTA never even got to talk about it?
1: I mean, it could could be that. But I would say it's more... Obviously, Frank's not um, physically real, no. but he's a, an imagination of Donny, and like, the characters in his mind. So what Donnie needs to hear now, he's obviously worried about it. What he needs to hear is that everything's okay, which is what Frank comes and reassures him of.
0: Okay, I can see that side as well, but it just feels a bit more in terms of that higher power because it is cut in between these scenes. As soon as they start talking about the book and the flood and everything gets discussed... Frank starts talking about, you've gotten away with it, don't worry. Like, no one knows about it.
1: I mean, you could be right. As I said,
0: they do talk about God a lot. I feel like there is that connection to be made. And again, in discussion with this higher power kind of thing, the ultimate image that Donnie has is of Frank, who turns out to be this real person who he sees in a bunny costume, which ultimately is the end of this time loop. Now, is this not some sort of higher existence, whatever channeling that to him, this is where he's going to end up, at this Frank character. How does if 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 this was just his imagination, how does he know how this is going to end? By by this character he's imagined. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, I don't make you speechless everywhere. Oh, I'm no. not speechless. I'm I'm agreeing <laughs> with you. There's a difference. I'm gonna take it as
1: speechless. <laughs> take it any way you want to. Oh I plan to <laughs> <laughs> But no, no you're right. Like it's not Frank is not something that Donnie's obviously just imagined in his mind because I just say, Frank is a real person. Yeah. So, I guess there has to be a higher power that has sent Frank to go back and talk to him.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, okay. Cool. You've convinced me of a higher power.
0: I I'm, am- I'm very happy. We can just end the podcast I now. am reformed.
1: <laughs> is this the first mention of time
0: travel we get here? I can't think of any other point before this where it was mentioned, so I'd have to agree with you there. I think it is.
1: Yeah, so Donnie asks Frank here, do you believe in time travel? And it's it's cut there to the next scene, but it does lay lay the groundwork here
0: for where this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're completely right there. But I'm not sure what
1: has prompted Donnie
0: to start thinking about time travel, that's all. Maybe it's the higher power forcing it on him. Or is that just a cop-out? Could be. This is interesting with this whole fear love debate coming up with this putting the line out on the chalkboard I must say Donny's description of the whole thing about how fear, there's not just fear and love there's more than fear and love there's other factors going on I mean he's completely right and and to what you said earlier that he is, he is a smart student mm. what he's saying is completely right and because this woman who just has a is just so clouded by her own mind yeah she just doesn't even see it and doesn't She's even acknowledge much by yeah. Jim Cunningham exactly yes Oh, Pedo Cunningham.
1: Well, you say Pedo Cunningham because in this time, in this video we see, he pats uh, one of the young boys on the bum. Mm. And Richard Kelly said this is a little
0: nod to uh, his affliction. I actually didn't pick up on that. I do, however, love the smash cut to the principal's office you don't hear what Donnie says to her it is
1: so great they're having this this great argument you can tell that Donnie is just neither one are are gonna break here like they are so firmly staunch in their beliefs yeah and she says you do it or you will get a zero for the day like god forbid he gets a zero and he looks away and he sort of pauses he's like should I (laughs) and then he looks back he takes a breath like he's about to speak and then yeah we get that great smash cut
0: And the thing is, after the smash cut, you still don't hear what he said until a couple of seconds afterwards. Yeah. When... They're like, what did you say? And then it cuts to her. She, you didn't even know that she was there. Reveal <laughs> Reveals she, and she says,
1: He asked me to forcibly insert the lifeline exercise card into my anus.
0: And I burst out laughing at the exact same time as the dad did.
1: dad. That suppressed <laughs> laughter is so gold.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Apparently apparently, Richard Kelly had to actually leave the set because he was laughing so hard at this. That would have been gold. It really is. That was so good. Yeah, so we get this... I think pretty important scene here between Donnie Darko and the professor
0: played by E.R.'s Noah Wiley. Of course. This is about the time he was probably the his most famous E.R. was about uh, roughly about this time.
1: I've never watched an episode of E.R.
0: I have. Cool. Oh, not bad.
1: So again, we get this talk about time travel. So Donnie wants to know whether it's possible. And basically the gist of it is what the professor says is that it is possible. You need a vessel and a portal, which can be anything. Then they start talking about this book by Roberta Sparrow, a.k.a. Grandma Death, Ooh. the
0: philosophy of time travel. Now, this book actually plays a huge role in the director's cut. They actually splice in segments of this book to explain the time travel part of the film. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't think you need. You understand, it's time travel. It can't really be explained. I mean, look at movies like Back to the Future and Terminator and all that. You can't explain... S-
1: wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that Back to the Future didn't explain it? Do you not remember the flux capacitor? <laughs> How God. can I forget? <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course. <laughs> Great Scott. No, but we all know time travel is obviously not real. So, however you explain it, it's like, okay, you're just you're just making it up. So, I'm fine with it not being in the film.
1: Yeah. And as we were saying before, I like that there's a room for interpretation. Exactly. All right, moving on. We actually find out here between the conversation between the therapist and Donnie what Grandma Death actually said to him. Every living creature on earth dies alone.
0: It's bleak.
1: Oh, it's, it's incredibly bleak. But, you know, Donnie's question about it, and he starts talking about how when he was younger, he had this dog who went out on the porch and the therapist says the therapist says to die and he says to be alone. And we do get a lot of talk about this loneliness here. You know, she asks him if he feels alone. He says, yes. He says he's never... And they do get into the God talk here where the alone is not so much about whether he has people around him. It's more, is there a higher power? Ah, that higher power. And he says he's never seen any proof that he isn't alone. And he he says he doesn't even debate it anymore. He just accepts that there is no God. But we see him really, really struggle with it. Yeah. Like, this is a... Very, very vulnerable character. And Jake Gyllenhaal does a fantastic job in depicting this with Donnie here. Oh, he's really, really good. This line here when he says,
0: he chokes up so convincingly. Yeah. It really, it really is a great performance here. I completely agree. Solid performance from the old Jake G. So he's back home and you start getting these trippy visions. He's having seen these pathways that everyone's traveling these portals, like predicting where they're going to be going throughout the house. I mean, is this not is this showing his like prediction of the future? Like- it's not
1: prediction because it happens. Oh yeah, yes, it's, of course. It's it's time travel. That's yeah. what he calls it. He says if you can see portals coming out of people, which he he does later say it's ex- ex- it's described exactly that way by Grandma Death in her book. Yeah. If you can see a portal come out before a character moves, then you know the future. You can see you know that form of time travel. Yeah. He says. And it's it's weird. Like, the first time it happens, he sort of looks... He looks around, like, amused. Like, is anyone else seeing this yeah. shit? <laughs> like, is is this happening? <laughs> but then it starts coming out of him. And it's so... Like, again, we talk about this higher power. He doesn't know. From what we know, he doesn't know that there's a gun in the closet. No. The only reason he walks there and finds it is because this portal has taken him there. Yeah. Right? So... As you say, like you said, maybe are they being? Is him and Gretchen being forced together? I think obviously something is forcing him yeah. to go to they this gun. They are sending him down these he class. If he, yeah, and he needs to find this gun so he can go back in time. I guess, like, because if he doesn't shoot Frank, then I guess he doesn't see Frank in all his visions. Yeah.
0: Would you say that's right? No, I, I agree with you here. Yeah. Yeah, this needs to happen. It does. So we have a conversation here between Donnie and Gretchen, and he goes in for the kiss and gets shut down. <laughs> what does she say? That it needs to be the right time? It needs to be when the world is the most beautiful?
1: Yeah, she says that she wants this moment, their kiss, to remind her how beautiful the world can be.
0: Now, do you remember when she decides to kiss him? Yeah. Is that her depiction of when the world is the most beautiful, when she got slammed by these two assholes about her... Her mum? I mean, yes.
1: Okay. Listen, what she's saying here is that she wants to kiss when she needs to be reminded, when it reminds her how beautiful ah. the world is. So, after she's just been shut down and she's really low, she needs this kiss so she can be brought back up Very to the beauty of the world. Very good. It's funny here, though, because she says, yeah, but there's this fat guy over there watching us. Yeah,
0: and- I thought this was just like, he's a golfer, he's just there, but he comes back again later. He's standing Mm. at the front of the party. I'm like, okay, this is not uh, a mistake.
1: Yeah, so I did did actually read that Richard Kelly has said that this guy who does appear in the two scenes is actually a member of the FAA who was sent to keep an eye on them after this plane crash. Okay. Yeah, it's random, it's strange, and I kind of wish he hadn't said who it was, to keep the mystery a bit, but yeah, basically it's just a government official keeping an eye on and making sure that they're not saying something they shouldn't be saying. But they have already discussed previously that they don't actually know anything, so I'm not really sure what they're worried they could say.
0: See, I don't. That's what I don't like. That why are we explaining these things after the fact? Why do we have to hear this on a director's commentary? If it if it if it didn't mean enough to be in the movie, then what does it matter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Anyway, but that is who uh, it was intended to be. Okay.
0: All right. So we have the parents at the psychiatrist now, and again, this is intercut with him in his bathroom, this time stabbing Frank in the eye.
1: In the right eye. The right eye. The exact eye that he will later shoot him in. Exactly. Fantastic scenes here. The imagery here is just fantastic. It's so, like,
0: it's truly haunting. I really love it. It is a very nice shot to look at. It's nice, nice. Shot-wise, it's very, very well done. It's
1: very nice. You could say it is good. Is another way you could describe it, maybe noise, maybe. Well, I've had the therapist just suggest more drugs, though. Yeah, of course. Uh it needs more drugs.
0: You talk about how Richard Kelly mentions who this uh, guy is in a director's commentary. Yep. Did you know that in a deleted scene slash a scene in the director's cut that you find out that the pills are just placebos? They just they don't what? Yeah, they imply that he's not crazy. He's—they're just giving it to him to make him feel better. That is very prominent in it doesn't the director's make cut. Any sense? I think in the context of the director's cut, with all the everything else added to it, maybe it does. But this is what I saw—that one yeah, of the that's scenes. That's weird. Yeah, it's basically saying you, you're not crazy. Then why would the therapist uh, recommend more drugs? I don't know. We're talking about the theatrical cut here. <laughs> that's just stupid. Yeah. Did you notice there was a lot of church bells playing throughout this film at certain points? No. It, it would cut to like shots looking up at the top of the towers and bells going and after a while I, th- I started to think it's t- it maybe signifies time the bell chiming I mean, at me- 12 o'clock or something like that so- something like that
1: for me oh okay the bell the bell chiming at midnight is obviously. Time. I mean, yeah. that's not even a symbol. It's just what it is. It
0: did it a lot. I think I counted at least three to, or maybe even but four times. But if you time. say
1: there's bells going and they're looking up to a tower, I would say that was his, I don't would think be it in was reference a, to more of a religious higher power.
0: I don't think it was at the top of the tower. I think it might have been the top of the school, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I just I, When it kept happening, I'm thinking I'm kind of tying this into the fact of time traveling along because it kept doing it. Hmm. So that's my theory on that particular section of the movie. Not... Your finest theory, but I'll allow it. Well, thank you for allowing me to express my opinion. All right, so
1: one of my favourite scenes. The motivational speech? Almost my favourite scene. Almost. Swayze, he is great as a fan. (laughs) As this motivational speaker, I've seen a fair few motivational speakers and he does this whole, even just the classic, good morning, I can't hear you, you know. Good morning. Like trying <laughs> yeah, to get pumped up. Trying to get the crowd involved and, you know, loosen up a bit. It's so cliched. He's just so natural at it. When he says, Are there really people out there who are afraid to say good morning? You cut to Donnie Darko. Everyone around him says good morning louder. He doesn't say a word.
0: Nah. He knows what this is about. This is all bullshit.
1: I also think it's signifying that he's full of a lot of fear. You know, Swayze is saying, "Are there people out there too afraid to say good morning?" Let's cut to Donnie Darko, who won't say good morning.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, if you yeah, if we look at on the theme of fear, and, and that, if yeah. we look,
1: if we go back to the therapist scenes, we do see that he's afraid. He's afraid of being alone. He's afraid of what's happening in his life. I think I just thought that that tied in nicely there.
0: Do you think that, considering where Swayze's character goes and how full of shit he is, do you think that we want? his words to be real well they're real in the moment right for these kids it's real yeah but th- we know it's not real though for him we know this is all bullshit so we can't expect it to be real ourselves i can understand maybe when you're looking at donnie how he's just just his imagery of fear yeah but i wouldn't go so far as to say everyone like we're looking at everyone else because they're blinded by this self-help guru and all his bullshit because we know perfectly well that he's full of crap mm. yeah
1: yeah so, Swayze, he gets these people to come up here. He actually gives no advice to them. Like, uh-huh. we get, we get the three people come up before Donnie gets up. The first one complains about his sister eating too much. And his response is, you know, to tell the, the fat sister to shut up. Right? <laughs> that's all we see of that. The next one is unsure of what he wants to do in his life. And he says, ooh, that's a tough one. And that's all we see of that. Yeah. Right? And the third one, his advice is, Truly love yourself, which obviously is a load of shit. That's not real advice. It's all generic words. And it's so great because Donnie comes up and gives actual advice to all three of them. Yeah. He says, tell her to stop eating so much. It's really hard. No one knows. You know, you'll work it out along the way. Yeah. And the third one, learn karate and kick him in the balls. Yeah. Like,
0: that's real, genuine, tangible advice, juxtaposed with Swayze's bullshit advice yeah the third person in that was actually the kid from the video who got the bum pat yeah yeah and he comes up he's like how do i learn to fight <laughs> like he wants to protect himself that's <laughs> yeah, good that's good yeah and then donnie just unleashes oh, on him
1: it is so great you know <laughs> i i am confused uh i am afraid i think you're the fucking antichrist <laughs>
0: Like, That's holy so shit. Good. That's so good. When he says
1: all I'm like, wow, this scene is amazing. <laughs> Donnie just destroys him. But Swayze-, Swayze is incredible. He is. Like, say what you will about, obviously, he's a monster of a character, but Patrick Swayze gives a fantastic
0: performance here. He does, he does. I do like the irony that comes up here where Donnie does find Swayze's wallet on the ground after what happened in his discussion about the fear and love. That's the card he got. Yeah. The, yeah, the dilemma exactly. there. Exactly. Like, what would you do if you found a wallet? And he's. But the fact that he found his right at the front of his house, yeah. you laugh
1: about it. Yeah. And then we get that voice in his head. Yeah. Now you know where he lives.
0: You know, like, it's. It's great. So they go on a movie date here. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do go see a movie have you ever seen evil dead yes i have have you really i, I haven't i have not seen it um yeah it was fine like i'm not like I, you know i'm not a big horror guy but yeah it was fine i didn't mind it i must say i want to give a quick shout out to the films on trial podcast here because they just did a recent episode on donnie darko and what they do is they have a caption contest for the for the listeners where they they get a picture of something from the movie, and the listeners get to put on their own caption. And this is the caption they had of uh, Donnie, Gretchen, and Frank sitting there with Frank looking at Donnie. And I was going to put something in, but then I saw the most ingenious caption ever. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> You're out of your element. Oh, I thought that was <laughs> fantastic. No, and that's great. Did turn out that was the winner in the end as well. So. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought that was ingenious.
1: This is another one of my favourite scenes, another contender for favourite scene for me. Yeah. We get Frank, yeah, as you say, appear next to Gretchen. Donnie looks over and we get this fantastic quote Why are
0: you wearing that stupid bunny suit?
1: Why are you wearing that stupid man's suit? What a great comeback here Donnie laughs at it too (laughs) I think I think The point That Kelly is trying to make here Is that even though Donnie is not wearing A visible mask He is wearing A mask of another kind So a mask That is hiding Who he really is And Frank is able To remove his mask Showing the The shot eye Actually really got Terminator 1 vibes from this.
0: <laughs> We're not supposed to know who this Frank is right now, are we? Do no, he hasn't been seen so, at all. So when I saw it, and I, at this point, I'd actually forgotten that this is this is the, the fate of Frank later on, like when he gets out of yep. the car. I was thinking, is this like an older Donnie? Like, is this oh, wow. Him? Yeah, I, I just looked at my... Is that supposed to be him in the future? I knew it was about time travel, so I'm like, yeah. yeah. So that's what I got from that. And then obviously at the end, I'm like, okay, I'm obviously wrong there. I mean, I always thought you were a bit dumb, but this is a new oh, low for you, Hendo. man. Well, you've been so An older tonight. Donnie. Come you've, on. You've been He's so like good.
1: the same age looking as Donnie here.
0: You've been so kind and gentle what do you, today. What do you
1: think he is? One year older and suddenly you on that?
0: I'm just trying to get some different discussions going on. All right. So, we get this,
1: have you seen a portal line, and we get the portal coming out. Of the Evil Dead screen yeah. and then actually going into what looks like a proper portal showing a sky.
0: And they end up showing Sweezy's house. Yeah. Like, exactly like basically it. telling him this is where you need to go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And again, great haunting music here. Really effective.
0: Yeah. But we end up at the concert, the school concert. What do yeah. you think of this? I'd
1: forgotten how long the Sharita dance was. Yeah.
0: It was it was a while, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't I don't mind it. I think again it contrasts so heavily her dance compared to Sparkle Motion. Yeah. And also, like, it shows... I like how you see um, Drew Barrymore's character, Karen, she's watching on, and she has this genuine appreciation for it. Yeah. And then when Sparkle Motion comes along, like, she's bopping away, but it's almost like you just can't help but bop away to it. Yeah, it's a playful one. Yeah. But she she definitely does appreciate the dance.
0: But again, this is cut in with Donnie going to Swayze's house and burning mm. it down.
1: Yeah. I love how we see the his painting burning up, yeah. revealing a door behind it. Yeah. And I feel like, did you notice the door? I didn't. Yeah, because that's the thing. I feel like if you didn't know that this fire is going to unleash, or not unleash, unveil the kiddie porn dungeon, you wouldn't pick up on it. But knowing that it does, I did notice the door as soon as it started burning through the painting.
0: Yeah, so I didn't notice that. I thought it was was just going to be a house burn down, but then when you find out on the the TV... Oh, had you forgotten
1: all this kitty porn? Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, so when I was watching it, and it's like, they found a porn, (laughs) I'm like, like (laughs) whoa! Oh, awesome. uh, That's what I'm thinking. This whole scenario is all this stuff is happening for a reason. Like, he's 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 supposed to be doing this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I thought it was a great reveal for someone who didn't know about it. It is just quickly. We do
1: get this sort of oddly out of place scene here with Karen, where she the principal basically fires her. Yeah, and you're not really sure why. They do. They to, do. It has me- to
0: do with the book, doesn't it? That yeah, they're Teaching. I mean,
1: I mean, they mention her methods, but like my guess is Kitty's just gotten in the principal's ear.
0: Yeah. This fucking Kitty.
1: And this is and this is where we get that scene you mentioned earlier, where she walks outside, she screams and looks up to see Sharita.
0: Yeah. Now, what do you think this nod implies? What is this relationship between these two? I don't
1: know. I just think maybe, like, Charita is such an introverted character, someone who does not show her emotions at all. Yeah. You falling asleep while I'm talking? Wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) What are you doing? Nah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sure. No, we see, I think, yeah, she's... All right, all right, (laughs) all right. She's such an introverted person and having seen a teacher, someone who you just don't expect to see this sort of personal emotion from, come out and scream, like unrestrained screaming, I think she's sort of... I think she maybe got something from that because I believe the next scene we get from um, Sharita is where she yells at Donnie. Yeah, Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you're right there.
0: And if you don't realise how annoying this kitty person is, this scene where she rocks up at the door... And because she has to go and help Pedro Swayze, yeah, and she's basically trying to convince Rose to go and take on the travel with the with the dance team and uh, over to the Ed Sullivan show, and she's just so she's so eye gougingly annoying. I would change annoying for hilarious.
1: Yeah, okay. Dear, right. The way she says so earnestly, sometimes I doubt your commitment to spark emotion. It's like, get off it. Oh, it's so great, though. She has no idea how ridiculous she sounds. But Rose, like, Rose is the audience here. Yeah. Like, she, she's just, like, amused at what this woman is saying. <laughs> but again, to tie into this higher power forcing all these events to happen, obviously... You know, Donnie was shown, go to Swayze's house. Yeah. Right. And because of that, Swayze was found out to be the pedo. Yeah. Because of that, Kitty couldn't go on the plane. And because there of that, go. Rose had to be in the plane with the group.
0: It's all tied together. Which is
1: where, obviously, the engine falls off.
0: Yeah. Very good. Very good.
1: We get this great scene here. It's it's just a small scene, but this quiet moment between Donnie and his mum, Rose. And he's just sitting on the bed and he says to her, you know, how's it feel to have a wacko for a son? Mm. And I I just think her response is so perfect. It feels wonderful. I just thought it was so touching. Gyllenhaal shows, again, such a vulnerability in this scene. And Rose, I mean, she's playing the perfect mum here. She loves her son no matter what. You can see their bond in this scene so clearly, and why the guilt of calling her a bitch earlier yeah. could actually force him into taking his meds again. Like, yeah. this really does go a long way to build their relationship. Do you know what this? Um, what Rose is in? Do you know her from anything? No. I know her from Independence Day.
0: Oh, she's the she's president's She's Bill wife. Pullman's yeah. wife. Yeah. So we've been talking about how. Donnie's being set down this path through all these, you know, pushes here and there, these certain things he needs to be doing. I think the most blatant one out of all of them is the conversation with Drew Barrymore here and how she mentions about the two best words is cellar door and it's written on the blackboard. And it's like, what does that have to do with anything? But th- those two words are what drives him to, to go into grandma cellar door. At the end of the movie, like this, is to cap it off. Gee, it's a,
1: it's amazing you say that. Like I've seen this movie a million times, I actually never put those together.
0: It's so I don't know. That one there felt so hand fisted to me. Like is that that that's a stretch? I don't. Why I, is it a stretch? Like what does the seller What's the cellar door have to do with this? That, was that part of the book?
1: No, it wasn't part of the book, but it, it it is something that has been said before. Like, this wasn't created by Kelly here. Um, It originally was said by J.R.R. R. Tolkien, actually, that... Well,
0: then how the hell am I supposed to know that? Was that actually in the movie throughout this?
1: No, it wasn't, but... You know, there's a as we've said, there's a lot in this film that's that is left unsaid. Okay, so we get another scene with the therapist and Donnie Darko here, where he actually admits to flooding the school and burning down the house. So what you were saying before, he he does know what he's doing. Yeah, he's not doing it in a dreamlike state, and he starts talking about how he must obey Frank or he'll be left all alone. Yeah, that's sort of his motivation for. Well, this is what he tells his therapist. His motivation for doing these things is that, basically, this is his imaginary friend, and Mm. he wants to please him, you know? He wants him to stick around, because he has no one else. Yeah. And he says he has the power to build a time machine. He says Frank's going to kill, and the sky will open up. Which it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. End of the world.
0: Parting the skies. Mm.
1: Yeah. Now, this scene is both scary and comical at the same time. Perfect blend. It is. It is. So they end up at the party.
0: Must be a Halloween party by the look of it.
1: It is. We get a lot of people in their, in their outfits. I do like Donnie's classic, uh, skeleton onesie. Yep. Yeah, looks good. And An- I th- Another great song playing here.
0: Under the Milky Way.
1: Nope. Oh, is that after they. Love, yeah.
0: Love will tear us apart. Good
1: song. Really. It is. It is. It's a great
0: song. Good songs all around. Oh, it's, yeah. Every song's fantastic. And you notice that the, the title countdown cards, coming up fast and furious now. you got the six hours hmm. coming up. Early. No more days. 12 hours. As soon as it ticks over to midnight, it's like, all right, let's put this one in. Yeah, yep. it's coming up. So you're like, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, It, de- it definitely gives you that sense of fear and dread of how is this world going to end? Like, yeah. yeah. You have no idea. If you, have, if you haven't seen it, you have no idea how, how this yeah. is going to end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're
1: thinking like on a global level, like yeah. end of the world stuff, you don't think they're talking about you know, end of the world for a character, for one person's mm-hmm. end of the world. So it's now, I mean, now they go upstairs and they have sex. Yep. It's, you know, like Swayze was talking before about his temptations. He mentions three temptations. Yes. Smoking, alcohol, and premarital sex. And Donny has done all three of those yeah. now. And now that he's done his third one, the premarital sex, this is where it all it all ramps Yeah, this is where it starts,
0: starts to culminate.
1: And it's funny, speaking of temptations... When Donnie is seen leaving the, the theatre where he's seeing Evil Dead, yeah. did you see what other movie was playing?
0: Uh. No. It was actually
1: The Last Temptation ah, of Christ.
0: That's, yep, yep, that's what it was. Again,
1: tying into the temptations, tying into Christ and yep. the theme of religion and God. It's all there. It's all there. Now we get Under the Milky Way tonight. Good song. Good song. Love
0: it. <laughs> And we see here as well, when he gets downstairs, and the closer he gets to the end, he's seeing more portals. They go out, they're, they're coming out of yeah. everyone here now. They're just all over the joint.
1: And he puts his face inside one. Yeah. What'd you make of that? That was weird. weird. Terrible CGI.
0: Oh, yeah. The CGI in this is very outdated. It doesn't hold up well. No. Thankfully,
1: it's, it's obviously very minimal. Yeah. The portals look okay. I didn't think they the portals okay. were bad, but when he puts his face into one... It's just like, all right, here's this giant digital image mm. with a real-life Jake Gyllenhaal in the middle. It was, yeah, a yeah.
0: little odd. So, again, in tying with this cellar door, they head up to Grandma Death's place. They go down into her wine cellar, and the Seth Rogen and the other bloke are why? there. What? Are why they are they, they there? there?
1: Why are they there? It makes no sense. Yeah,
0: I didn't get that part. Like, that didn't make any sense why they were there. I mean, are they
1: there? They're in the cellar. Are they there to get alcohol? Uh, maybe. I like, are they going to that same party at Donnie's? I don't know. It's very odd. But it they is... get
0: very aggressive. Oh, super aggressive. Yeah. It's a bit rough. Yeah. And she gets run over. I was like, I didn't... I can't remember that happened. I was like, whoa, holy shit. Gretchen. Yeah, it was very on the screen there, out of nowhere. For am like, whoa, okay. This is where it's going. I
1: love that this is like a first-time viewing yeah, for you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> because the things I remembered was Frank the Bunny... And the fact that, like, that he time travels and he goes, that he is trying to save, like, he is trying to save everyone from dying and yep. he dies himself in the end by the by okay. the engine. So, I yep. do remember key plot points, but there are other points where, I like, obviously the car driving, driving over her, completely forgot that happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic reveal of Frank. Because yep. we see the clown get out, we're like, oh, okay, and then we see it pan up to Frank. Yeah. And we're like. Oh my god And you realise what's happening He pulls the gun He shoots him in the right eye you're like Damn And then we see Grandma Death Just walking away slowly yep. Totally unfazed Yep What a character This is actually her last ever film role It was It was Now it gets weird Very weird This Very is where This is where it uh, It really loses some people
0: yeah, the plane is coming back. They leave, she leaves a message for him as well.
1: Okay, so Donny carries Gretchen away. It's now morning. He looks up and he we see this massive, like, portal, this huge sort of hurricane in the sky. Yeah. And he drives off with a dead Gretchen next to him. So I think he sees this portal and he makes a decision then and there. Sort of looks at her and he's like, yep, I've got to do something here. And he's realising, I guess, that the, the engine from the start of the film. Yeah. Could have come from this portal here.
0: And it's up at the point because where... we
1: actually we actually see sorry, we actually see the plane engine falling out of the
0: sky here. Yeah. But do you notice that where he is by the end of this is where he begins. Yeah. Yeah. Like completing the loop. He's done what he needed to. The loop has been tied. And that's where that that grin, that laugh comes from, that recognition that he has he has done this.
1: So we see the plane and as I said before, we see Rose and Samantha on it. And Now we start to get the voiceovers. So we get the voiceover of the professor earlier saying that time travel is possible if you have an aircraft of any kind. Yeah. Uh, So it's telling us loud and clear here that they're going back in time. Or well, there is some time time travel going there is, on right yeah, now. Yeah, there is, and it is it is massively confusing. And you know that Kelly's doing his very best to let viewers know. <laughs>
0: He's trying, <laughs>
1: you know. And oh, this is where we get the the quote from when they were presenting their invention about what if you can go back in time and replace the hours of darkness with something better. And that's when Donny looks at Gretchen and smiles because he knows. Exactly that. Like he can go back, and he can replace his twenty-eight days, yeah. which have been really dark, with something better. And to do that, he needs to go back in time and not leave his bedroom.
0: We also get the the voiceover as well as how to do that. Like if you have portal, if you have the transportation, yeah, and whether it be a spaceship or whatever. It well, is he to- says
1: he says like a DeLorean, yeah,
0: you know, like a car. And the guy says,
1: well, it can be any vehicle. Yeah. Because obviously he's not on the plane. No. Like, it doesn't show clearly how he actually goes back in time. But it does talk about how you just need a vehicle and a portal. So, we see a portal is in a vehicle. So, this is where we get our time going back in reverse, like literally being rewound. Mm. And I actually really like this effect. And once you've seen a movie... And you're re-seeing these scenes. Like, even though they are in reverse, it's you do reminisce about it and you start remembering things like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that scene, that scene, that scene. And we get this this amazing narration from Donnie Darko here. Let's just play it. I hope that when the world comes to an end,
0: I can breathe a sigh of relief.
1: Wowie, that's a lot to digest. He's basically saying he knows he's going to die and he's excited for it. Like, this will
0: be his end of the world. Yeah. But... He's saying that there's more after it. He's looking forward to what's after it. And also by him sacrificing himself, he's letting everyone else live as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So now the time has gone back and we see Donnie sitting on his bed, that really weird laugh.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Again, it's recognition that he's done this. He's sealed off this time loop and he's he's completed what he had to do.
1: I actually feel like it's important that because it is a dark ending Mm. with our protagonist dying to save others. It's important, I think, to show that he is aware, obviously, of what's happening
0: and that he's more than okay with it.
1: He's more than happy to sacrifice himself here.
0: I did actually see some theories, and I'm not sure if that's backed up by the director's cut per se, but there's something going around where he doesn't know he's about to die. He's happy that the time loop has been fixed. Everyone is good to go. It's not going to happen again. And he just sits and relaxes, forgetting that the er, the engine is going to drop down to kill him.
1: Okay, that's one interpretation. Yeah, I prefer to think that he knows and he knowingly sacrifices himself. I agree himself. that too. I agree with that too. Yeah, I feel like it's a better story arc for him. Yeah, and I do love my
0: superheroes.
1: Okay, so now we get the Mad World kick in.
0: Such a good song. It, Such a good song. It it really is. I think we're both going to agree that this is our excellent. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And as I said before, I did have a couple other scenes. I was like, yeah, this is my favourite. No, this is my favourite. I wasn't sure. And then little piano starts playing at oh. the start. Straight away, I'm, Tingles. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is easily the best scene. Really one of the greatest uses of music in film. It really reminds me of... Um, that great scene in Magnolia, as well, when they do the same thing, they play a song in in Magnolia. All the characters are actually singing it along, and you get that montage of all the characters and what they're doing with yeah. their lives. So,
0: I want to stop you there for a sec. I've been speaking about the recognition, the memory of this loop that has happened. Now, my credence here is that when it starts panning through all the characters, they all give some slight hint of recognition of what has or what has happened in this tangent universe. You see, oh, before we get to that, are we supposed to know that the Frank no. character is oh. is Maggie Gyllenhaal's boyfriend? Or is that a director's cut thing? Because that's what I read. What? Yeah. That he's, he's actually her boyfriend. Because if you hear it, when she go when she comes inside from the date and sits down, this time the horn honks. Sort of, if you want to interpret it that way, signifying that the loop has been cut. There are other ways of interpreting it as trying to warn Donnie to get out of bed.
1: Wow. No, I I didn't know that at all.
0: Yeah, I did read up, and I don't know if it was from the director's car or not, but it is supposed to imply that Frank, the character of Frank that gets shot in the face, is her boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. And again, with this, you know, Richard Kelly saying stuff after the fact, that's probably where it's been addressed. So, I I wasn't wasn't
1: aware. Really, it's irrelevant, I think, whether or not he is. Hmm. It does tie it a bit closer together,
0: but... What about the horn honk? What do you think of that? I didn't. I didn't notice the horn honk. I noticed it on the second time, and I wasn't. I wasn't sure if it happened the first time, so I just didn't think about it. But then I found out that it didn't happen the first time, and it did on the second one. So there's obviously some something to or that. Well,
1: maybe they just didn't have a chance the first time because that's when the engine hit.
0: No, no, it's the same time. Like in between that shot, oh, no okay. sitting down, okay. yeah, yep, it happens. So it could go either way. That he's, you know, signifying that the loop's finished, or he's trying to warn Donnie, I don't know, like yeah. interpretation of course. Yeah. But again, going back to that recognition and going through all the characters, you see Frank wiping his eye, a tear coming down from his right eye. And just these tiny little things that give them that memory or or knowledge that something happened here.
1: Yeah, I mean you got the therapist waking up. Yeah. Like what caused her to wake up. Exactly. As you say, you got Jim crying uncontrollably. <laughs> Kitty just sitting on her bed. I mean <laughs> They should have given her something to do, no, I feel.
0: I think that was perfect.
1: <laughs> Karen and uh, the professor together. Like, we didn't know
0: they were a couple. Didn't we? I thought we did. There are definitely scenes like in the in the PTA meeting, they're sitting together giving each other a look. I just I, thought they were teacher friends. No, I was under the impression that they were together. Especially, like, f- from the first scene, that slow-mo panning around everyone, they were there together. Okay. Like, I just assumed they were.
1: You got Sharita as well, smiling to herself. Nice moment. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Frank designing the mask, as you say, and then we get to the next day.
0: And everyone is absolutely distraught this time around. What do you make of Rose and her reaction?
1: I mean, I can understand the feeling of numbness.
0: Just wouldn't know what to do. Yeah,
1: like obviously Elizabeth and uh, Eddie, the dad, uh, especially Eddie as well. He's crying very, very convincingly. Yes. But now the mum, Rose, she's just smoking calmly. We get this great scene with Gretchen. This sort of, what if, like, she asks this little boy...
0: Yeah, who was who that? It's like, yeah, that's, that was Donnie Darko. He's like, oh, I've never met him. But what do, you, what do you think of the... The wave? The wave. And it, again, there's that little hint of recognition. Like, they kind of have this thing. It's an odd wave. It is. It's an
1: odd decision as well from Gretchen to you find out that this woman's son has just died to wave at her. Like, why would you do that? I don't know. It's odd. But no, I I did think it was nice. This what do you
0: think of the kid waving? Because I read up that this is actually Richard Kelly waving goodbye to the audience. I mean, what a load of shit. <laughs> Fair dinkum. I think even, not even Richard Kelly would say that. Well, what is it? What, what do, how does that end? The the kid waves to like to the camera and it cuts to black. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. What's wrong yeah. with that? No, I'm just it's saying. Great I'm, ending. I'm saying, what what do you think that meant? I don't know. It's, just it's quite, all up
1: to interpretation. It is. It is. Final thoughts? Let's do it.
0: Any last words? Let's go, Dean. Let's do it.
1: All right. Donnie Darko is a wildly original movie that works in every possible way. The characters here, while sometimes somewhat exaggerated, they feel like real people with real motivations and real reactions. Yes, the plot and especially the ending are a bit confusing. I know the first time I watched it, I had no idea what had happened at the end. But one thing I did know was... Was that I cared That I wanted to know what had happened This movie demands to be rewatched And pondered over and discussed I know what I believe happened And whether or not this is the so-called Right way to take it or not I know I love it The acting is obviously great throughout Especially from Swayze and Jill and all, But it's the expert use of music That pushes this movie over the line for me Into a Amazing, Amazing? Incredible! Outstanding I never get sick of this film and the beautifully haunting imagery. No movie is like it. Truly lightning caught in a bottle. What are your
0: final thoughts, Hendo? This is one hell of a complicated film. First off, let's just start with the regular stuff. I thought the acting was pretty good all around throughout the film, in particular from Jake Gyllenhaal, who shows why he's become the leading man he is today. His angsty, teen, maniacal portrayal of Donnie is fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, the soundtrack. Oh man, this is phenomenal. With some awesome choices, with lyrics backing up exactly what is happening or what certain characters are feeling at the time, it was impeccable. I loved it. But obviously, the huge talking point about this film would have to be the incredibly complex and thematically charged plot, which as we have discussed, is very much open to interpretation and we need films like this where they are so well written and thought through and need not one, or two, or even three viewings. It needs more. It needs a bit more delving into. Maybe some maybe some extra content interviews to understand the vision that's being shown, if that's what you want to do. So much discussion about time travel, and tangent universes, and fear, and love. There is so much to this film. But this can just be a film where everyone can just say what they think happened, and be done with it. You can have your own opinions, and leave it at that. It's your choice. I definitely feel like I could re-watch this again a few times more to really get into it and fully appreciate it maybe check out the director's cut I don't know I I maybe might not want to now after we've had this conversation today Mm. but for now it is a powerful yet complicated film with so many levels that I just want to get into more it is a high recommend for me
1: very good I was the best because the crowd loved me
0: all right, Dean, where is this going to sit in your rankings?
1: Okay, so I have four other five-star movies on my list. Uh, starting at number four, I've got Die Hard. For me, it is better than Die Hard. A bit more to it, a bit more to uh, get into and think about. Number three, I've got Saving Private Ryan. I'm going to put it above Saving Private Ryan here. Ooh. Um, I just feel like, I don't know, I do talk about rewatchability a lot on this list, and I just think that, Saving Private Ryan is such an event to watch, whereas I feel like I can watch Donnie Darko any time, any mood. It's just, this movie works so well on so many levels. I am going to put it at number three, above Saving Private Ryan,
0: but below La La Land. Okay. Where do you put it? All right, let's start the discussion off at the number nine spot against Logan. And this movie definitely just has a lot more going for it in terms of rewatchability and getting more out of it every time so i'm going to put it above logan and that is where the tear stops for me i think the prestige is a better film than donnie darko so for me donnie darko is going to sit at my number eight film very nice you've already heard it but let's hear it again we may still have mail. mail 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 here it is and
1: this could be it uh. Okay, we've got a few reviews here for Donnie Darko this week. Uh, first one here from Chris on Letterboxd. First of all, how does one suck a fuck? Interesting. Hmm. This film was released when I was 14 years old and it didn't take long for me to worship it. This is a really impressive feature film debut for Richard Kelly, who also went on to direct the equally great Southland Tales. Fight me! Will you fight him? Interesting. <laughs> Hot take there, Chris. Hot take. Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic as the titular Donnie. The whole Darko family is really great here, and they all work off each other really well. The cinematography and soundtrack is on point. I recommend checking out the director's cut of this film, as I think it adds more to the experience. A truly mesmerizing film that gives me something new each time I watch it.
0: I cannot argue with that one, Chris. No, that's very good, Chris. Thank you very much, mate. We do have a couple of reviews here from Twitter. One is from the Films on Trial podcast that we mentioned before. We recently put it on trial because Alex hates it so much. I thought that I really liked it until I watched it again. Very convoluted and slow-paced. And if you watch the director's cut, it over-explains everything. Great soundtrack, though, and some really good performances. I cannot... Agree with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's slow-paced at all.
0: Another one here from the East Enders Weekly Podcast said, It's one of the best films and was my introduction to the fantastic Jake. It is one of those films that everyone needs to watch in their mid to late teens. The idea of how one decision or choice can change and affect so many around you is something you need to realise for your adult life. Mm, That's very Interesting. interesting. And another one here from Laura Clare says, Donnie Darko is one of my favourite films ever. The music is perfect, it's suitably creepy and thought-provoking, and you have to watch it more than once to get all the detail in the plot lines. So thank you for those ones, guys. And of course, we've got...
1: This film has a lot to unpack. On the surface level, we have a high school drama with the protagonist suffering from inner turmoil, and hallucinations added to the backdrop is a blend of black humour and daunting philosophies coupled with some strange and paranormal sequences could have been done badly but the ensemble cast is exceptional and the script is really tidy and easy to break down easy to break down shane maybe not (laughs) Interactions and back and forth between the characters work really well in the film, so much of the dialogue is unexpected, though I think this component is at its sharpest in the beginning of the film. The characters in general are deep thinkers who all have their own unique outlook to the world. One thing I loved about this film was the soundtrack and its immersion of certain songs into the film. The scenes at the school were also the most engaging. Jake Gillenall, who has gone on to become a leading man in Hollywood, really made the most of his role. I know this was the first film I saw him in. One criticism would be that this film runs a little long and isn't crystal clear in its ending, raising all sorts of questions like, How did this happen? And why? It's a little bit of a mind-bending mess. Of course, that would be nothing compared to Kelly's follow-up film.
0: Thanks, Shane. Thank you very much, Shane. Remember, guys, if you would like to put in any reviews of all the films we watch, you can get a hold of us at imdbjourney at gmail.com, or you can just contact us at Twitter at imdbjourney. All right, why don't we get into this week's Twitter poll from last week, where we took on Gareth and Bex from Gareth's Random Ramblings, and the movie draft we had was films with a colour in the title. And just to refresh everyone's memory... We had A Clockwork Orange, Black Swan, Jackie Brown, Goldfinger, and Men in Black.
1: And Gareth and Beck's had The Colour Purple, The Green Mile, Green Street Hooligans, Black Hawk Down, and Deep Blue Sea.
0: And we had a couple of comments here. One here from Sam at the Movie Reviews and 20Qs podcast said, it's getting to the point where we need to come on your podcast and end this reign of dominance. Great pick though, guys. Got my vote. Sam, you're more than welcome to come on the podcast, Bring mate. Bring it on. Bring it on. One here from the In Session Film podcast said, man, you guys killed that draft. Good work. Thank you. Thank you very much, JD.
1: From We Watched A Thing, now this one is tough. I'm going to go with Gareth and Bexo. Color Purple is almost as good as Deep Blue Sea. I'm not sure if that's a compliment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One here from the Two Dads Review podcast said, this has been the toughest choice yet, but I'm going to have to go with IMDb Journey. Great list.
1: One from Gritty Films, Black Swan and Clockwork Orange, Almost didn't even need to look at the other picks. Got to go with IMDb Journey on this one. That's how you do a draft.
0: (laughs) One here from Movie Date Night. Gareth and Bex has classics with Green Street Hooligans, which is a dark horse that most people haven't seen, but not a bad film. IMDb Journey has more fan service, but I find Clockwork Orange almost unwatchable and Goldfinger is meh. How
1: dare you? (laughs) Who are these people? (laughs) (laughs) One here from Film Inquiry Podcast Network.
0: Kubrick, Aronofsky, Tarantino, Nuff Said. That's right. Damn straight. So let's get to the results here. After 96 votes, 78% to the IMDb Journey podcast, reigning supreme yet again. (laughs) Uh, Tough luck there, Gareth and Bex. Unlucky, guys. Thanks for playing. All right, so it's time to get into... Answer my question! The question, jerk! And before we get into our question, we asked you to listeners, we did have a question along the way here from our mate, Brodders, at A Mad Silentist said, in light of the new category announcement by the Oscars, what do you think would have won the 2018 Best Popular Picture Oscar? Also, what are your thoughts on it in general, Dean? Uh,
1: I'm not a fan of it, to be honest. I feel like this is just like obvious fan service to try and get uh, more people interested in the Oscars, but I feel like it might water down the Best Picture um, winner a bit. Like, yeah. We don't need two films winning a
0: you know a best Best Film Award. Honestly, they may as well have called this the Black Panther Award.
1: It's oh, gonna get it. So it's coming into next year's yep. one? I mean, I don't like it. If you want Black Panther to get recognition, nominate it for Best Picture. You don't need to create
0: this other category. And They, can get, no- to, they can get up to 10 nominations.
1: Yeah, it's just... It's silly. I don't like it at all. What do you think of it?
0: I completely agree with you. Like, I think it's stupid and it is it is pandering to the the casual audience to try and get them to come back and watch the, the Oscars. Yeah, but I must say, if you really want some great opinions of this, go out and listen to Matt Neglia and his crew of the Next Best Picture Podcast. Their most recent episode where they just talk about that is fantastic. So check them out; it's a really good listen. But what do you think would have won Best Popular Picture at the most current Oscars? Dean from last year.
1: Gee, there's a lot there. I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Wonder Woman. I feel like they would honour a female-led superhero film that did so incredibly well and really, really, really put it on the map that you can have a superhero film starring a lone female and it kill at the box office.
0: I think they would recognise that. What do you think? I think they would have gone with Get Out. I just think because of the, you know, the cultural diversity and that, and even though I did get nominated for Best Picture, that's I are going to win that.
1: That's the thing. Like, I think that it getting nominated for Best Picture alone is a, an extraordinary Exactly,
0: big. and I think it was perfectly fine to do that, but if, you, if they are going to throw in a Best Most Popular, they would probably give it to that.
1: I mean, why do you even need a Most Popular? Oh, if you're we... going to do this list, just look at the box office. Exactly. Like, how could you argue that, like, say, this year, for example, I assume, is Infinity War the highest-grossing movie of this year? No, I think Black Panther is still. Black Panther? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if Black Panther reigns supreme and you give it to another film, let's say you give it to Infinity War, how can you argue that it's more popular if you've got Black Panther
0: that more people went and paid to see? Yeah, it's... This whole thing... And they haven't even given out any guidelines and that before. Like, how, how do you judge it? It's stupid. I, it is stupid. All right, but let's get into our question we gave you, the listeners. What is your favourite film of 2001? And boy, oh boy, did we get some responses. (laughs) They came out of the floodgates to this one. We're not going to go through them all, but we'll go through a couple here. There was some interesting was some interesting discussion in regards to release dates as well like some people were saying memento and in the mood for love because they are technically u.s release dates of 2001 but they were released in 2000 in different countries so there is a bit of back and forth there which i did enjoy getting involved in one here from and the runner-up is podcast said mulholland drive is not even close
1: yeah there was a lot of mulholland drive mentions
0: Michael Kamen said, because I do separate Lord of the Rings into their three chapters that year, Monsters, Inc. is above Fellowship of the Rings, so my number one is Monsters, Inc. Fair enough, can't argue with that. The Screeners Podcast said, without a doubt, there is one answer to this question, Ocean's Eleven. So, yep, yeah, uh, again, nice pick. Certainly.
1: From Mixed Media Forest Podcast, Spirited Away, I love that one. We completely agree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mentioned that last week. From the Epic Film Guys, no matter what the rest of film Twitter tells you, this is the only correct answer. Alan. 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 <laughs> Jurassic
0: Park 3. The Scoundrel of the Screen said, there are so many good ones, but the Royal Tenenbaums does stand out a bit more for me. Dal on Movies says, it's to mama tambien. And again, lots of other movies that have come through here, but I think the most overwhelming one I saw, Matt Neglia. There is only one film. One film to rule them all. One film to find them. One film to bring them all, and in the darkness outrank them. Fellowship of the Ring, I think, was the most I saw throughout all these but again, lots of other good choices on there. A couple of idiots said Freddie got a finger, you know, you're going to, there's one in every bunch. You get all sorts. Yeah. But in that being said, why don't we talk about our f- top five best films of 2001 that are not on the top 250 list. Okay. This is going to be a brief list. We're just going to rattle them off. A quick sentence about each one. Dino, why don't you start, mate?
1: Okay. Number five, Frailty, starring Matthew McConaughey. This unexpected gem popped out at me when I first saw it, and I really cannot forget some of the uh, images in that film. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. An underrated McConaughey performance. What's your number five?
0: My number five is Black Hawk Down. Fantastic war film when I saw it. Absolute (laughs) snore fest, Black Hawk Down. Well, that's your bloody opinion, so shut up, mate.
1: It is. My number four is the score. Okay, starring yeah. one of my favorites, oh, two of my favorites, Ed Norton and Robert De Niro. Just a you know an old-fashioned heist film. A lot of cute little twists and turns along the way, and Edward Norton's performance is masterful.
0: Bring it back to me. My number four is Frailty. We've already, like I agree with you completely about that. Nice. Yep.
1: My number three is Training Day. Okay great performance from Denzel and I think Ethan Hawke really does well. A good a good gritty
0: crime crime movie. That would be one that would be my number 6. My number 3 is Shrek. Nice. Got to love Shrek. Like yeah, classic I do love animation, Freck. so funny, still holds up, really good.
1: Yep, fair call. My number 2 is Blow. Uh pff, awesome drug story. Johnny Depp is I think it's my favorite Depp performance to be honest. Penelope Cruz is pretty
0: solid too. I really like Blow. Alright I don't know what you're going to think of this one Here we go But my number two Non-Top 250 film of 2001 Is Not Another Teen Movie Okay I love this movie Okay It's so funny It it shits all over the scary movies and that It's just It's so stupidly Like kind of smart funny Like I I laugh at some of those jokes so hard And I, I can watch it now And still just burst out laughing
1: I remember seeing that when I was underage and I had to sign some weird document
0: saying I was 15. All right, what's your number one film of 2001?
1: My number one, it has been mentioned on Twitter, is Ocean's Eleven.
0: High five, bro. That's my number one too. Nice, nice. Yeah. In terms of non-Top 250 films, that one it takes the cake for sure.
1: I mean, it just, it drips style. It's so easy to watch. It's funny. It's clever. It's filmed by Expertly. Yes, Steven
0: Soderbergh just crushes this one. Yeah,
1: it's a great film. Yeah. Pretty good cast too.
0: All right, so for our question for you listeners next week, we're going to ask you what film off the top 250 list are you most ashamed you haven't seen? Dean, what would your answer be, Moon?
1: For me, most of the films I haven't seen on the top 250 at the moment are really, really old or foreign. There is one, though, looking through that I probably should have seen and that would be 1982's The Thing.
0: You haven't seen The Thing. nah, I haven't. Wow. I think Paul would recommend that to you very quickly if he hears this. Well,
1: if he does, I might watch it. (laughs) What about you, Hendo?
0: Now, this is a bit tougher for me because there's only 12 films I haven't seen off this list. So, I think the one... I I guess I'm the most ashamed I've ever seen is Dead Poet Society. Shame on you! Don't get, don't start, mate. Don't start. Shame. I have a very small list to pick from, but no, cannot wait to hear everyone's responses to this one. All right, so let's get into this week's set of best director matches, and here are our next round of four matches. The first one is Ridley Scott taking on Lee Uncridge. Next up is Hayao Miyazaki versus Joel and Ethan Cohen. Ooh, tough one. Yeah. What about David Fincher versus Pete Doctor? Not as tough. That's your opinion? <laughs> and our last match of the fortnight is Sergio Leone taking on Denis Villeneuve. Ooh, another tough one. Those are some good ones. So we'll put those polls up about 24 hours after we put the podcast up, and everyone can go and vote on your favourite directors. So, what's next? Alright, Dean, it's time to find out what movie will be breaking down in the next fortnight. Why don't you hit that random number button generator, and we'll see what we're doing.
1: Okay, so number
0: 92. That is Toy Story. Ah, nice. Wow. Our first Pixar animated film. Here we go. This is going to be a good one. Let's get the kids involved. All right. So we'll come back in a fortnight with Toy Story. But next week, we'll have our next guest on for Pod V Pod 4. Nice. And what else we've been watching as well. I did go see Mission Impossible Fallout recently so you'll get my thoughts on that next week as well as other bunch of terrible films I've watched recently as well you have been on a bad run I actually haven't watched
1: much in this first week but I intend
0: to remedy that in this following week no worries all right so thanks everyone for listening make sure you go and check out TJ and Serenity's podcast movie with the Misses, where we did our guest spot on MCU best scenes please make sure you go check out the patreon page as well we really appreciate the support but that's going to do it for Donnie Darko this week so see you later guys bye